In this episode, we'll discuss being on the B team, staying ready, and what it means to be great. Welcome to Colored by Design. This discussion series looks at design issues through a uniquely biased lens. Our hope is to empower a new breed of creative as they enter into, mature, and navigate through the business world. I'm Corwin, Senior Global Creative Director. And I'm Jesse, Senior Experience Designer. Let's get into it. Hey man, good to see you. Good evening, sir. How are you? All is well. All is well. Happy holidays. Yes, we're in the season. Tis the season. I got my uh, warm French vanilla (laughs) (laughs) sitting next to the pumpkin spice, but I didn't want the pumpkin spice. Yeah, it's nice and cold out. starting to feel like, you know, beginning to feel like a lot like Christmas, even if it doesn't look like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of our coworkers, she works from home in Orlando, Florida, where it's Mm -hmm. a balmy 85 degrees. (laughs) And she's like from Minnesota, so she's yeah. like, this sucks. Yeah. This absolutely sucks. Yeah, so we haven't had the opportunity to record. I think it's been the past couple of weeks. Yep. Um, but I had a really interesting uh, topic that I wanted to talk to you about. Interesting to me. I don't know if, if the listeners or you find it interesting. But uh, I was sitting at a restaurant with Myra. We were waiting on something. And um, I, I overheard a conversation that was happening next to us. And it was a couple of guys. It was, you know, they were probably uh, going to happy hour after work. Uh, they looked like they were dressed for business. And I, I overheard one of, the, one of the guys saying that um, someone that he was interacting with had pissed him off or something. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to put the B team on it. You know, like he's only going to get the B team now. Oh, really? And, um, <laughs> so and, out of spite, I'm yeah. going to ruin your potential to earn. Or he, or just, blah, blah, or he blah. just put the B team on it. I, I don't, I don't you know, again, I don't know all the context. I just overheard that little snippet. Right. And so it, it made me think, you know, do you have a B team? What, mm. what... I remember when we worked together, you had a crack team of, of people that I wasn't on. Um, this is still in my ascension from JV to, to varsity. Um, but you had a crack team of people that you assembled when you had you know presentations to put together or proposals that you wanted to put together. Um, and I don't know, I, in my in my mind, you know, that was the A team. Those are the guys that and the gals that you know you, you grabbed when. Uh, it was time for you to really get to work on something. Mm, um, and so I, I was wondering, you know, do you have a B team? What are the qualities that you look for in people who are on the A team? And, and you know, for people who are out there who want to ascend to the next level, you know, what are, what are some things that we can kind of do uh, in that regard? Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Jackson. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. Great observation rolling into a great podcast topic question. And I think it's very fascinating. So... Yeah, that's cool, man. I love it. Um, you know, that, that, that for me, the A team consists of people that can put their head down, get shit done in right now. Yeah. Not now, but right now. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it it's interesting. I saw um, the A team being the people like on that particular, I remember, I know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. when we had a, a, a lot of work. We were in the midst of um, selling our company. And we needed to put together some, you know, really high-end presentations to really position the company well and tell the corporate story at a mm-hmm. mega mass level, and it was awesome. But uh, I needed people that I knew we weren't going to have to um, have discussions about design stuff. Yeah, you know. So it's not. And and again, I would say they were pretty sharp folks. But if you remember, one of the people that I grabbed was um, our email designer, mm-hmm. right? Because it just came quick, understood, knocked it out. Design was nice. Could put content in, lay it, shape it, and boom, we're out the door. Yeah. 
Um, the other person was one of our visual designers. Um, again, could get it, take a lot of stuff, moves fast, quick, yeah. you know. Um, we all make mistakes and we all have room for improvement when we're really marching towards something that needs to be final. Yeah. Um, but, and then the other one, um, uh, the, 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 our, our female marketing uh, lead at the time, yeah. uh, she was smart, just knew, knew that audience that we were going to be working with very intimately. Yeah. And uh, so it was just a team of people that I was like, and I was asked actually. Yeah. When I went upstairs that day, I was asked and, you know, our boss at the time said, I need you to put together the fastest people and the best people you have because we need to move quick on this. Yeah. And we don't have time to be messing around. It's like, great. Well, if we're talking about fast and quality individuals that can walk, get locked in a room and knock it out and, you know, not a lot of conversation. Yeah. That was that was the crew. Um, so, you know, and again, it, 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 it didn't mean I, I, I held all you guys in high esteem in different places. Um, and I think it's interesting, you know, you talk about like, uh, you know, design thinking is a big buzzword and yeah. methodology right now that, that all these corporations are trying to bring into the their organizations. Um, even when you have a design thinking workshop, you still need the right people. Right. So there's different A teams. Right. You know what I mean? Like when I'm trying to, well, at a time when we were working together, there was so much technology coming out because that was when VR was really coming out. Augmented right. reality was starting right. to come out. The transition to sketch was starting to happen. Right. And, there's a lot of bits, right? And I asked you personally mm-hmm. to help me personally lead these, you know, these kind of, I don't remember what we called them, but it was yeah. like, you know. You it, was, had, it was like a tech, tech share out or something like along yeah. those lines, just talking about what's happening in the marketplace and what's emerging, yep. which is interesting because I'm in a similar role now. Um, even though it's got more specific, I'm looking at one kind of industry and, and talking uh, more deeply about some of those technologies and, and underlying technologies. So digital assistance and then underneath digital assistance, machine learning and all the different methodologies that uh, comprise machine learning and how these things work and what the terminology is and how you can apply that type of technology to your specific business problem and asking those questions and things like that. So you identified that really early, um, which is cool. But I just, you know, I, I was as I was thinking about this, you as a hiring manager and, and people who are applying to jobs, we don't necessarily think of our, I don't know if you think of when you're hiring someone, like what t- team they're in, a, are they A team, are they B team, right? Mm. I, don't, I don't think that that's part of the hiring process. I think that, like you said, you hold everyone that you bring in in high esteem in different ways. Right. But as, the, as your work kind of unfolds, I think that people are naturally, they, they are sorted into those groups. Um, and I, I just, I, I guess I find that process kind of fascinating. Um, no one wants to be on the B team, but I think that you you framed it well when you said that you need different people for different tasks. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I think I would love for everybody to, <clears throat> you know, I know what you mean when you say nobody wants to be on the B team. I know right. exactly what you're saying. Um, But I think that one of the things that is a very empowering position and it just, we talked about humility before, Mm -hmm. knowing that you might be on the B team Mm -hmm. is actually, it's actually okay. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite kind of case studies I heard a long time ago was like, you know, Hertz is the number one rental car in the world, Mm -hmm. has been for a long, long, long time. Avis was always one of the number twos and it was a distant number two. Right. And their tagline is we try harder. Right. Because they're number two. Right. And I like that 
that little bit of an underdog, I don't need to be number one. We mm-hmm. talked about like, where are my career aspirations and career goals? Right. And I said, I always want to be right underneath the leadership mm-hmm. to help them do what they need to do. I don't necessarily want the, the, the weight all on my shoulders. Right. Those C-level executives and those directors or managers or VPs or whatever, those are that's quote unquote your A-team. Right. I don't mind being the B-team underneath helping those men and women succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it when... Uh, I used to take offense when I wouldn't get invited to certain meetings. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, hey, as long as you guys feel like you got the best people in that room so we can get the win, mm-hmm. I don't really care who goes. Right. You know what I mean? So I think that, you know, um, and then when you're on the B team, you can learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Man, sit there and say, hey, the B team, they still need a water boy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The water boy still <laughs> heals all, <laughs> you know, they still hear all the plays. Yeah. They still hear all the strategy. They still hear all the you know, goings ons. And that's where, you know, I'm a big fan of understand and learn business Mm -hmm. and just be the water boy for the, you know, be the water boy for the A team, you know what I mean? And, and learn, but, um, yeah, no, I think we all, and and going to the hiring thing real quick, I try to hire and everybody's different. Mm -hmm. I heard, uh, and maybe it was you that was saying it. Somebody's hiring practice. No, I think it's, I think it's uh, Netflix. We're Mm -hmm. looking at their, um, their, uh, HR guidelines. Their famed their, culture deck. Their culture deck, yeah. right. And I think it was in there where it says we hire the best of the best, and when you're no longer the best, we look for a replacement right. to have make sure we always keep the best. Right. I don't like that one. Mm-hmm. I like working with people that want to be the best mm-hmm. because you can, you can grow and you can hustle and you can grind and you can learn and you get, I don't know, I get more passion and more energy and more new life out of that because mm-hmm. to me, going to work every day is not always about because listen, the world doesn't need the best of anything. Mm-hmm. Netflix is sweet, but it's not the best video player platform out there. Mm-hmm. And then it's a matter of opinion. You know, do they have great people helping them make that place great? Absolutely. But I, I mean, it's, you don't need the greatest people yeah. to, be, to be great. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I don't like that hiring process. I like to hire people that I see something in their heart, in their eye, and the way they kind of flow, their swag. Like, okay. And I tell people straight up, hey, when you come in here, man, it's like, I'm going to expect a lot. Right. You know, and when it's go time, I need you to show up and don't talk about, oh, well, it's eight o'clock. I need to go home Mm -hmm. or, oh, that's not really what I do. I just like to do this. That's that's not going to work for my style of hiring. Yeah. There's so much here that I want to unpack because it's. I think now as I look back at, you know, my work experience, it's really a fascinating thing to consider. Um, But there's a little bit, there's a piece in there about, that that piece of humility and understanding your role and understanding how important your role is, even if you aren't on the crack team. But when I when I think back to our time working together and in those periods of high impact, high stress, but high impact, mm-hmm. wanting to feel involved and knowing that I needed to get better at certain things in order to be able to get involved for that specific type of thing, um, then there's to your point the person who wants to feels like they're that underdog and gets that chip on their shoulder, mm-hmm. um, that, that can, that stays there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, in my experience that stayed there and that has continued to propel me forward. And now though I may be on some people's team of like, okay, when you're talking about this thing, we need this person in the room. I still feel like I'm, I have to get better. And so, you know, I think that's a great thing. Um, and we see this, uh, happen in sports too when you're talking about wanting to be that support group for the for the A team there's a lot of pressure on those people who have to make the decisions mm-hmm. and there's a lot of 
relief I think that you can feel when you understand it's your job to make the best possible recommendation that you can make, but then you're leaving someone else to make the final call. It's like, hey, this is all the information I can gather. This is all based on all the expertise that I have. This is my recommendation. Right. And as designers, we are so often in the spot where we're making recommendations. We don't own the line of business. We might not own the P&L, but we can say like, okay, this is the direction that all of our research and all of our work is pointing us to go. go. And now, hey, well, it's up to you, you know? I think that I think that can be really liberating. I like what you said, <clears throat> and 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 that is a, there's a huge point of maturity. Remind me to come back to Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to go football too, so we can we can okay we, can we can come back there. to that. But going to what you just said, <laughs> this is my recommendation, but it's not my opinion. I had an awesome conversation with a new guy that at the job today. Great, mm-hmm. great dude. But what makes him great is that he's. He's asking a lot of questions. Now I'm having to kind of bust this bubble a little bit to say, well, we have that. Right. Okay, that's here. Right. You're saying this is broken. Show me where it's broken. It's actually not broken. Oh, I want this. You don't need that. What you need is this. And here's how we have it. But I'm keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. I'm letting you know. Yeah. You say, oh, I need a table. No, we got tables right here. Yeah. Oh, I need a swivel chair. I know you do. It's right there in the closet. What else? You yeah. don't need those things to be successful. We already have those things. They don't make us successful. Right. So it was really, really fascinating. But what was great about him is that we were talking about, we both came from a marketing and advertising background way back where you had to message test. Right. You had to focus group test. You had to have quantitative analysis. You had to have qualitative analysis. And even though some of the science of it all made my head spin in those early days, mm-hmm. now it's come full circle. I totally understand it. Yeah. We had the best conversions in one of the most successful direct marketing agencies um, in London because, and again, most good advertising and marketing firms use testing to their benefit, but that's what made us great. We were dealing with software solutions that we had no idea what the heck it was. So we're doing our best to write copy, draft messaging. And again, remember, we're all 20-somethings, 30-somethings trying to do this deal with, you know, enterprise-level ERP software for Oracle and Hyperion and Sun Microsystems. We don't know what the hell we're doing. Yeah. But thank God for the testing. Yeah. Right? Because you were wrong. And that's what uh, this gentleman at work, his name is Justin. He and I came to the same conclusion today. It was so nice to be wrong. Yeah. Because out of the 20 messages we tested, 17 of them were wrong. Right. And we just knew five and six was going to be the one. (laughs) And it was dead wrong. Right. And, you know you know, number seven, 13 and, and, and 15 were the winning options and they resonated. And when you put them in the practice and you put them in the campaign, they actually return the good results. Mm-hmm. So that the research is what I've always fell in love with. Sure. I have my opinion and I'm going to use my expertise and my opinion and my years of, you know, doing this thing to kind of nudge us in a certain way. But, mm-hmm. and I've told you guys this all the time. Man, all five of those are awesome. I don't know. Test it and see what works. Yeah. Because at a certain point, they're all great. Yeah. And they all look like they could solve the problem. But you got to test it because yep. that's the only thing that's going to help you make a strong recommendation. Mm-hmm. And then you don't look like an idiot when it doesn't work. Yeah. You can point to the data instead of to yourself. It's like, hey, that's what it was saying to us, right? Hey, we did the research. This was from, from our analytics. This was from the, the focus groups we had. This was from our research team. This was from what we heard at the trade shows. And we put that out there and it did what it did. Right. Either hey, Ray or boo, right? Um, but that all leads us to a good, uh, a good solution. So I love that you, you brought that up. 
all of my research and analysis and XYZ has me making this recommendation. Yep. And designers, young creatives, old creatives, interaction design, visual, you name it, you guys got to get out of yourself and stop producing the stuff that you think is right. Right. And start producing the stuff that the people actually need. Yep. I mean, man, that's the only reason why you have ever been enlisted to do this work. Yep. And to your point earlier, it's it's about producing the thing that you think is right and then challenging yourself to produce something completely different and then doing it over and over again so yep. that you have five different options. Hey, all these could work. Yep. Let's test it. Yep. And then you don't have to be the one who decided incorrectly. You can point to the data and, and talk about what it indicated and talk about why you made the decisions that you made. Because yep. if you have solid rationale behind a decision, that's all we can ever do. None of us know every answer. It's about, hey, this is the analytics. This is what it looked like it was telling me. This is why. That's the reason I made that decision. Um, and it's not so much about covering your ass as it is about doing the necessary work. Right. pursuing things with the rigor that they require. And what are you doing it for? Right. You know, I love, we work, we're doing some work for the government and part of the government of the United States design guidelines, there's 10, they're very succinct. They're very well written. Um, and one of them is our information has to be accessible to all Americans, mm -hmm. blind, crippled disabilities can see or can't hear, blah, you name it. Mm -hmm. That's humbling when you think about, dang, this has to work for everybody. Yep. Everybody in the United States, people that you just discount, mm -hmm. people that you've never met, people that you've never experienced their ailments, people that are in situations that you've never imagined, they need to, it needs to work for them. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I mean, that, 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 that's a huge thing. Think about who are you actually doing this for? Because I still see it every day. People are designing for themselves. Yeah. And you're, you're, Sure, you're making something neato, and it's for your book, it's for your portfolio, it's for you to smile about, it's for you to thump your chest about. And if it if it, if it worked great for the audience that you designed it for, then that's that that's a double bonus for you. Good job. Mm -hmm. You get the glory, you get to feel good about what you produced, and it worked for the people. But if you're just designing a bunch of good stuff, I know somebody right now that is making some really interesting kind of decisions. And it's only bolstering their resume. Mm -hmm. It is not helping a single solitary person. Right. And they know it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's just not cool. Yeah. It's just not cool. And when you get to accessibility apps, to your point with working for the government and all the requirements that they have, I think that really helps to broaden your lens as to who you're designing for. Because there's so much that is required for making our experience is accessible to um, people with disabilities. I mean, it's really fascinating. We have a really um, rigorous uh, accessibility op team uh, where, I, where I currently am because there's a lot of regulations around that. And, and you know, we, I think we have to hit AAA in a lot of different categories. And so mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of people who are uh, uh, disabled in one way or another who do a lot of our testing mm, and so it really awesome. helps you to have some empathy for the people who are who are doing those things and, and who you're really trying to reach and all the various ways in which you're trying to reach them and they even get into speaking about how um, we think about disabilities as being a uh, a lifelong thing 
but there mm. are people who are temporarily disabled. Mm, right. And if you design for the, the, the people who uh, maybe they are completely blind, then you are also reaching the people who just had eye surgery right. uh, or you're reaching the people who have a black eye who still want to use your, your software. Like, there's a range uh, there that you're really helping to address when you, when you look to uh, make your, your products and experiences accessible. And you mentioned earlier uh, ben Roethlisberger. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, and and again, I'm still coming to Big Ben. Okay, but you just said something. My buddy, God bless him, he just had a stroke, mm-hmm. and where the stroke is impacting him, um, he's almost ha- like having like, you know, smaller episodes after the major one, right? Mm-hmm. And one is impacting a, a part of his brain that affects his vision. Mm-hmm. So his his eyes right now, he's like things are just blurry, mm-hmm. and. You know, he's kind of like got his eyes real wide trying to see, you know? Yeah. And I was like over at his house and his wife had took his iPhone and she made all the fonts like crazy big. Mm-hmm. I had never seen the fonts that big. Yeah. I mean, it's like maybe you get two words on the screen big, you yeah. know? Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like, and I said, and when I'm driving in my car, I oftentimes will enable the, uh, the two finger gesture down that'll trigger the screen reader. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if there's an article or something, I can just, you know, have it read it to me while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, hey, let me see your phone. I, you, you know, this could help you in here. And I showed him real quick how you could use Siri to say, hey, read my most, most recent text. Mm-hmm. Oh, reply to my text. Yep. You know what I mean? And here's stuff that you and I use probably just for, for hands fun. free. Yeah. And now here my friend needs it. Yeah. Like, and again, hopefully it's temporary. I mean, it is temporary. You know, I mean, the, the, what he's going through will pass, but we don't know how long he's going to be here. Right. You know, but um, but yeah, dude, it's like, and I said it. I, I I sat there and I was looking at this phone, and I honestly said it. I said, God bless the people at Apple and mm-hmm. these designers and engineers that made this. Because when you go into that accessibility section, oh yeah, it's, so robust. Oh my gosh, it's a ton. Yeah. And it's stuff that I've never even thought of mm-hmm. and these men and women have thought of this stuff and they are helping people like me help a friend mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's just absolutely awesome but Big Ben talking about you know being on the B team and stuff and the pressure that these A teamers have mm-hmm. and you know last week he was kind of you know called out for uh, calling into a radio show or something and mm-hmm. kind of critiquing his team they had a loss mm-hmm. and he was telling them like and he was he was beefing at the the top brass of the team mm-hmm. you know and he's like hey I've, I've been on the team and I've had this position for a very long time. I think I've earned the right to kind of call these guys out. Mm-hmm. And then this week they came back and they they won, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was a great it was a great game. But and and what was interesting is Antonio Brown, uh, you know, probably one of the league's top wide receivers, if not mm-hmm. the top. Um, he said, "Hey, man, I got big shoulders. I mm-hmm. can take it." When you're the A players, you better expect more criticism. Just because you made it to the A team doesn't mean that you can't still get like dealt with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like. You're the A team, yeah, but I mean Draymond and uh, KD. Yeah, it's like, hey man, don't give no more A team than these two cats. Mm-hmm. And Draymond ain't taking it. He's like, I don't care what A team you're on. Yeah, I don't care what MVP titles you got. You still go to go to hear hear what I got to say. Yeah, you know. And interesting, I'm I'm kind of going from the B team perspective, but you know when you're when you find yourself in that position and you feel that chip on your shoulder and you always are striving to be better. Um, that allows you to be ready when your ne- when your number is called, and, and this oh, happened yeah, a couple different times. But just last weekend, with Alabama, Jalen Hurts has been the Alabama starter for the past three years, um, and led them to a national championship, another national championship game. You know, they're they're perennial 
perennially in the game. I've heard a few analysts call it the Alabama Invitational because they're there all the time. Um, so, you know, he's an entrenched starter. He's been there for years. He's he's lost maybe two games in his whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, a young freshman in, in the championship game uh, last year, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts and, and Alabama were down at the half to Georgia, I believe. And uh, Nick Saban just said, you know what, it's time to switch, called Tua Tagovailoa. The, the, the freshman hmm. quarterback, you know, five-star, you know, number one recruit that, that they get and said, hey, Jalen, you're out. Tua's in. Um, and Tua went in and, and won, the, won the game. Right. Um, and so, you know, if you're Jalen Hurts, most quarterbacks in that position, you know, they've got a young freshman who's, you know, he, Tua Tagovailoa is a better quarterback than him. You know, he's got better arm strength. He's a little bit taller. He's more accurate. He's, a, you know, the prototypical NFL quarterback. Jalen is a small guy. You know, he's really athletic, um, and he needed to work on his pocket presence and throwing the ball. Right. So, you know, he gets displaced, and he's not going to win the job back because the, the younger quarterback is also better than him. So right. it, it, all the incentives are for the coaching staff to keep the younger quarterback on because they're going to have him for longer. Right. Um, and so most quarterbacks in Jalen's position transfer. Um, and and Jalen, you know, didn't and suck it out, you know, and he hasn't been the starter anymore. He was displaced. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, you can imagine not being the man after being the man for so long. Right. And you didn't, through no fault of your own, did you lose the job. It was just, hey, you got replaced by somebody better. Yeah. Um, and he still stuck it out and stayed with it. And, you know, Alabama has been ahead in so many games that he's still gotten some playing time later on when, the, you know, the game isn't necessarily um, in, in, in trouble. But this past weekend, um, the, the opposite happened against Georgia, where, mm-hmm. again, Alabama was down a couple of sto- a couple of scores, and this time Tua got hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, Jalen, who had been there, you know, and, and had stayed ready, mm-hmm. kept preparing like he was a starter, kept doing all the work, you know, stayed sharp. Now his number's called, and he comes in, and he brings them down from two scores back to win the game. Okay, there you go. Um, and so, you know, even with dealing with all that, that setback and that – you know, that hurt to your pride, you know, uh, and being humbled in that way, staying locked in and staying ready yeah. to come back and, and prepare prepared to win. And, I mean, we even saw this again with the Eagles when uh, Carson Wentz got hurt in the Super mm, Bowl. Yes. And then Nick Foles, or not yep. in the Super Bowl, before the Super Bowl, but then Nick Foles came in. And Nick Foles is the, a perennial backup. I mean, right. his job is to be a backup quarterback. And right. that's, a, I mean, it's a really good paying position. And you don't have to do too much work if you can get it. But that was his job. And then when it was time for him to step up and deliver, you know, he was able to do that. And that's what I'm talking about. The B team. Yeah. It, you don't, you don't need, I mean, let's be clear. Carson Wentz is amazing. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles is not as amazing as Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles was part of the B team. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the guy that said, oh, I'll take him and pay him whatever he asks. Right. You don't always need, and he had some scrappy ragtag wins, boy. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. But he won it. Yeah, he damn sure won it. But you know what I mean. And and I think that that's so important that. And I like what you said. Stay ready. Mm-hmm. And I tell you guys all the time. Jesse knows this. When I hire people, I am training you to be a leader Mm -hmm. because your job is already a commodity. Mm -hmm. We can buy almost everything that we produce. Right. And you can buy a great framework uh, 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 kit for 60 bucks. You can buy great app templates. You can buy great brochure templates, logos for five off five or whatever. Dude, you can get so much for for, for little to nothing. Mm -hmm. So you need to be ready. So in, in the example of the quarterback scenario, if that was in the design office, 
I like that because that tells me, hey, Corwin, I need you to step aside. I need Jesse to come up. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if it's genuine, it's like, no, you haven't done anything wrong. We're just going to give the other kid a shot. Mm-hmm. Cool. Typically, in a corporation, that means you're going up. Right. Right. When you can, and, and, and I'm going to tell everybody this. Train your replacement. Mm-hmm. You should be breaking your neck to teach people to be like you and better. Mm-hmm. You should not be guarding your job like, oh, I'm not going to tell Jesse how to do this because he might take my job. Right. I'm not going to show him this spreadsheet because that's where all the secret sauce is. <laughs> He'll know how the money's made and I won't be the man. Yeah. No way. I'm going to show him everything. Why? Dude, I'm going to go on to next status, next status, next status, and you yeah. get to come on up to the next to next, and then you get to pass that knowledge on to those other folks and help them come up. Yeah. So, dude, I like, the, I like the analogy that you just laid down, but really, the takeaway for me is don't only stay ready. Mm-hmm. Know that in the work world, if you haven't done anything wrong and you still are as sharp as anything, mm-hmm. you're going up now. Yeah. Because we already got enough people down here, and Jesse's going to come up, or that next person beneath you is going to come on up and get a little shine. That frees you up to go do some other things that are a little more high-level strategic where you're time in the saddle and expertise and experience in the organization or on the team or whatever can be valuable elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's a good thing. Yeah. I think, I think that's good. But again, why, 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 why are we trying to be the man? Mm-hmm. Why are we trying to be the best one? Why are we trying to be the woman? You should be the best you can be, but I don't have a goal. There's no way I can be the, right? I mean, think about it. You're already like a whole foot taller than me. Well, I mean, I'm losing that already. I mean, you can out bench me. Okay, that's great. I can't win that battle. You know what I mean? All right. Well, you're smarter than me. Okay. Well, guess all what? Right, but, I'm still, right. but I'm but I'm still the ball. <laughs> no, I was like, go. I'm not. I'm not trying to be the. I'm just trying to be the best I can be. Right. And wherever I go, hopefully, other people see my see see the value that I can add to their team or to the topic or whatever. And I get in there to help them. Yeah. I want get the team player mentality. Be a lineman. Yeah. Be the best long snapper that ever existed. Be mm-hmm. the best. Good God, the kickers in the NFL get zero shine. They're the skinny guys. They're the. the but when it comes time to win, mm-hmm. and I was watching something, and I think uh, one of the brothers on uh, I can't remember, but he said. That kicker made me a lot of money. <laughs> he won us a lot of games. Yeah. And he took us to the Super Bowl. Yeah. The kicker made us a lot. Of, and Tony Dungy, the head coach, he's like, oh, it was dang, Rodney Harrison. Mm-hmm. Rodney Harrison used to pay for the Patriots. And, uh, and Tony Dungy, um, they do like Sunday night football pregame or whatever. And, and Tony Dungy was like, a lot of kickers made me a lot of money too. Yeah. So even the ones that look like the less than, yeah. they might very well be the most valuable player. Yeah. I think that's it. I think, you know, none of us are going through life hoping to be the backup quarterback. I think in our, in our field, well, I, I don't want to say none of us. Maybe, you know, some people are on the, I was in a training today and, and the, the facilitator called it the uh, <laughs> income continuation program. <laughs> income continuation. Yeah, where it's like you aren't, you're just trying to make sure you can coast and get that next paycheck. Right. And, you know, there are people who are at that stage in their career where, yeah. you know, they've, they've done what they wanted to do and now they are, are just trying to be on the income continuation program. Right. But for others of us who might be striving for more, uh, we don't necessarily come into a position and think, you know, I'm going to be on the B team or I'm the backup quarterback. All of us want to be great. But um, it's about understanding that you can you can be great if, even if you aren't the best, if you're striving to be the best, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, and when it is time for you to be the best, there are still people around you who are 
are going to be smarter than you and better than you. And, oh, man, I got so many more questions to ask now. Yep. Um, it, I, I, I was having a great conversation the other day where a lot of us who are not executives um, believe that, you know, oh, one day I'll have the authority and I'll just be able to tell people to do what I want. Jeez. And he was like, actually, no, it never, it never changes. It's always an influence game. Even if, yep. you, even if you have the power, per se, to tell people to do what you want, um, you want to exercise that as, as uh, few times as possible because it always costs you something when you do that. Um, and, you know, even when you're the CEO and you come in and you're going to tell people to make changes and you, you throw your weight around the wrong way, now your team is actively rooting for you to fail. Yeah. And that, that's going to change the way that they produce and that's going to change a lot of things. Um, so it's always, it's always a game of influence. It's always a game of being the team player and making sure that you are doing the best that you can and not being concerned that, hey, on that, that project I didn't get tapped on the shoulder to join. That's okay. That's not an indictment against your character. That's just I needed a certain set of individuals in this room for this thing. But the next time I have a thing, it might be something different. And you might be the person that that gets tapped on the shoulder to go do it. You know, something you said, and I I hate to say this, I'm dead guilty of it. And I'm sure that people on the other side have rooted for me to fail. Mm -hmm. But, dude, when you're dealing with with people and... uh, you know, you might find yourself on a job and you're like, oh, God, I got to go to work again and deal with this person mm-hmm. or deal with this scenario. And I was listening to this lady uh, and she was saying, look, if you're on a job and you're thinking about quitting or leaving because, you know, it's hard to go in for X, Y, Z reasons that might be personnel related, you know, sometimes just waiting it out can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because those people, I don't root for people that are obviously trying to get a collective win. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I really, I don't root against those people at all. It's like if I see you're a team player and you're struggling and things aren't working, mm-hmm. I'm going in the trench with you and we're going to try to figure this out together. And if I don't have the answer, which I guarantee you I'm not, I'm going to immediately call the people and email so-and-so and say, hey, dude, we need to sit down with so-and-so. They need some help finding this information out or whatever. Right. There's a gap in their understanding about blah, blah, blah. And we need to help them. Right. But then I hate to say this, and I'm sure you all have done this in your life, and we're all guilty of it. If you just want to be a jerk and not partner, listen, collaborate, take anybody else's opinion into consideration but your own. Right. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> take a long walk off a short bridge. <laughs> yeah. What, what did the dude in the restaurant say? I'm putting the B, Put team, the B team, on team on it. Put the B team on it. Right. And it's, it's unfortunate because you get to the point where you're like, I've been here, available, willing, ready to help. But, and I don't even take it personal because you're not just like sliding me, you're sliding everybody around you, mm-hmm. typically. And you're aligning yourselves with the people you think are the ones that are going to really get you to leg up. Right. And they may or may not be, but you're dissing everybody else in the process. Right. And everybody else sees it. And, you know, it's kind of like that thing when you're sitting there in the room and, you know, people are, are walking by you. Right. And, you know, they're snubbing you. You know, there's an episode of uh, Insecure. Um, Hey, okay. Okay. Keeping hip. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Boy, I'm always in the community. (laughs) But uh, Molly was at this new law firm, and she was trying to work her way to the top. Mm -hmm. But she was stepping on people, pissing people off. And, you know, it was a firm that she wanted to be in, but it's like, Molly, dude, you're just rubbing everybody the wrong way. Right. I've been guilty of that. That's happened. You know what I mean? Not intentionally, but I get it. And sometimes people misinterpret your intentions, mm-hmm. you know, and they start dissing you on the other side. So you got to be careful about that and make sure you really navigate that right. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Well, we've got the holidays coming up here, so uh, this may be our, our last podcast for the year. Yep, I think it might be. We'll still be chatting, I'm sure. Yeah. We're going to come back in 2019. We're going to be better than ever. Better than ever. Stronger, <laughs> faster, furrier. What furrier? What the? <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Cool. Right on. Well, hey, man, it is always good to see you. Happy holidays to you and your family. You as well. And to everybody, thank you for a good year. We've uh, we've had a good, well, about half a year we've been at it. Yeah. It's been good. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. We're going to keep iterating and keep getting better. That's right. Thanks for listening. To stay up to date with all things Colored by Design, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. And if you enjoyed listening, please leave us a positive rating on your platform of choice, and we'll see you next year.